Hey GA listeners, just a quick update before this week's episode. Starting next week, we'll be moving when new episodes drop from Thursdays to Tuesdays. This will allow us to get more work in on the weekends and bring you better episodes with more energy. Also, if you haven't, please throw us a rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts and help us a bunch. Okay, let's get to the show. On this week's General Admission, we are very excited to bring you an interview with Alan Day of Four Year Strong. This has been in the works for a while, and we're super excited to bring you a really fun interview with a musician who has accomplished so much. Before that, we get into some funny news concerning Avenged Sevenfold, a Weezer tour announcement, and some festival chatter. On the back half of the episode, we wrap up our February album a day listens with some thoughts and takeaways from the exercise. Okay, let's go. Welcome to General Admission. Today is March 2nd. And Avenged Sevenfold got hacked. <laughs> They're going to say they so, canceled all their tour dates. It's so funny. I saw uh, the Florida Festival that I went to last year, uh, uh, Rockville. They posted like, Avenged is still playing. Like, we don't know what's going on, but they're still playing. I'm like, what are they talking about? So I went over to, to Avenged's um, Instagram. There's nothing. They took deleted everything. And there's just one post that says, our accounts were compromised over the weekend and have now been recovered. Our festival appearances have not been canceled. For the time being, please head to our Discord for all future communications. Thank you for your patience. Need that two-factor authentication. That's right. <laughs> Who is hacking Avenged and of cancel- all bands like, and canceling their tour dates? Like I don't know. There's got to be something better. You get onto Avenged socials, just be like, "We are now a Weezer cover band. We're no longer playing Avenged songs." Could you argue it was almost <laughs> easy to hack into their accounts? <laughs> you might. You might argue it was almost easy, but you know, they seized the day and they pulled it off. So good for them. Well played. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> takes like all the momentum. If they were going to announce a new album, finally, it kind of takes the momentum away from that a little bit. Yeah. You think it was like some up and coming band? No. <laughs> Probably like, just the jackass. <laughs> Just a jackass. Just a jackass. Yeah. That's pretty fun, though. Like, I don't know. It's just so like, I'm going to hack into their account it's and just, just announce so their tour dates are canceled. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get it back. It's like, no, they're not. All right. Well, that was a fun prank. I guess it was it could have been worse. So. Not bad. I'm glad they're back. I think it could have been a... like Rev Lives or something. And then everyone's oh, like, Jesus. oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been bad. That would have been real bad. So it could have been worse. Yeah. Are they putting out an album this year? Is it confirmed? Not confirmed yet, but there's whispers. Yeah. Or I should say mostly hopes over whispers. I think it's the first time they've toured in like a while. Five years? The stage? Was that the last album? Yeah, which I didn't really my my friend, shout out Blake, is like a big Avenged fan and he really liked the stage. So like I don't Roadmap it Blake. 
I know. I want to make that happen. Um, I didn't. I feel like I didn't give it like a a good listen. Maybe like once or twice, and I kind of forgot about it. I remember but, like the single, but that's it. Yeah, that was 2016. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit. In seven years, that's understandable. I think they were kind of due for a break. Like, I don't know. I feel like they could be a victim of just doing the same stuff a little too much. They're also one of the best concerts I've ever seen and one of the worst concerts I've ever seen. I one saw of the them, worst concerts. I saw them right before um, Hail to the King came out. So they weren't playing anything off of that. And they were like sick of playing Nightmare. And one of the speakers, it was at like some, it was, I think it was called Music Fest in like Pennsylvania. One of the speakers was out or too low. So I was only hearing one guitar and like the beauty of Avenged is like getting those sweet the dueling guitars. harmonies. Yeah. So between that and them like not being into it, it was just, it was not good. So I hope to see them again because Nightmare Tour was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. That was phenomenal. That was a PNC awesome. show. Oh, I saw it in uh, somewhere in Philly. Like, I want to, I want to say Electric Factory, but that sounds way too small. But it was, with different like the Monster Energy tour, like one of those they used to do. This was with I think Stone Sour and Hollywood Undead. They had like cemetery gates on the stage that would like go up in flames, and it was just no seats, just run around and like mosh and. It's a really good show. I think that's one. That's the same tour I saw, but it was at PNC. Yeah, I went to to Philly to because Blake was out there again. The aforementioned Blake. But yeah, I'm ready for some Avenged this year. I could get down with that. Did you see the Weezer tour? I did, but I didn't really pay much attention to it because I know we're seeing them at See Her Now. Yeah. So they're calling it the Indie Rock Road Trip, and they're taking Modest Mouths, Future Islands, Spoon, Joyce Manor, White Reaper, and Mama. I'm not sure I know Mama. No. It's kind of cool. I would love to see Modest Mouse with them, but the date they're playing near us is with Joyce Manor and White Reaper, I think. I know we kind of touched on this a little bit off air but it is weird seeing modest mouse tour with weezer right it is just because i feel like they are they went in such different directions like weezer embraces the hits and like the pop side and i feel like modest mouse does the opposite they of that. do not yeah yeah like we said what like the four or five times we've seen them they've never played float on not once no which like i don't i don't go to modest mouse to see float on but i think if you're modest mouse opening for weezer you have to play float on like i if there was a contract that was in the contract rivers was like yo you have to play float on or you can't do this i can't wait to check setlist fm on that like, first it, date it, and see if they like, actually break it out float on dashboard like um maybe strangers there was that one off Strangers to Ourselves that was pretty popular. The like hit that came out last year, right? Or two years ago? Yeah. But imagine you see Modest Mouse open for Weezer and like 
Ocean Breeze Salty. They'll break yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, love that song. Like Modest Mouse should lean into it and just be like, we're playing the hits for this. Which like I would want to see that too. But yeah, they're playing at uh Forest Hill Stadium in uh Queens. Queens. The house the Parco built. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Love that venue. Yeah, it's such a cool venue. But yeah, we're seeing them at see here now, so we don't need to try and go on no. the store. It's Our- the year of bands we haven't seen, and we have a pretty light 2023 lineup so far, other than see here now. <laughs> it's very light so far. Well, I'm seeing microwave in two weeks. That's true. You did buy that ticket. Yeah. Not too late for you to join. I know how bad you want to go to Brooklyn on a Friday night. <laughs> you guessed it. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. There's We need some more tour announcements, though. There's also Iron Sheik and Screaming Females at, like, Crossroads, I think. That seems... I don't know if it's Crossroads, actually, but it seems like a really fun tour. I only know one, Screaming Females. one Iron Sheik album, but I love that album. Uh, I think it's called Not Like This. It's so good. I'm sure their other albums are good. It's just they're one of those bands where kind of like sometimes you just like an album so much. Like I don't feel like listening to more. I just want this one because I know it. I can sing it. But yeah, there's only like four dates for that. And one of them is nearby. Brooklyn. Is it a weekend or? I don't know. I can be very easily convinced. So if you're interested, we can make it happen. April 28th, which is. That's far enough away for me to blindly commit. <laughs> Anything they too have much to, have union you have to say yes too. to. Eh, I mean, it's, it's a probably... Friday again. <laughs> That's easier for me. I'm closer. I got an hour on you in that direction. Unless we did Philly, then you'd be closer. Which maybe we'll get that fish news this week. Oh, yeah. If we scored those tickets. I keep getting <laughs> emails from, from their merch team at Dry Goods. And I see their name pop up in my email and I get all excited. And it's it's just not it's not a ticket confirmation. If we both get tickets, we'll have to figure out which day we're going. And then. Yeah, it would have been nice if they gave you the option to put in for tickets like i want seats or i want the lawn like i don't know if we get the lawn like whatever just want to go you can still i know we're gonna talk about resale tickets shortly with uh (laughs) alan but yeah we can still resell a lawn ticket i'm sure right yeah definitely i just if it's like a huge difference like it's still a good time from the lawn but whatever we will we will see when we see we see here now yes see here nodge (laughs) (laughs) uh not too much else this week i listened to page avenue this past weekend when i was driving back from vermont big time i might throw that on tomorrow it's it's such a good album and it's it's so like it's such a nice blend of heavy and not heavy sidewalks yeah not heavy sidewalks and like but then you have like in the shadows and um 
razor blades i used to love yeah see that was so far down like i had forgot about that one that one was great dive right in another good one like it's a really good album i'm so excited for for their new album i'm i almost listened to the singles because i'm i'm just i'm itching for it so bad we're, but... we're very close it's march 10th that comes out yeah there are, there's five songs out right now like they did the uh just was that band we listened to last year where they put out like literally like eight singles yeah and miss me fire yeah well you said march 10th we're almost there you uh, yeah we can really hang close. on for one more week i wonder if it'll be a 10 or a 12 song album imagine like seven <laughs> <laughs> it's four they just take a song away no one liked this single so they took it off <laughs> I want to go to that tour so bad with the yellow card. But and I just wanna... will be away that week. There's I like two great so shows, away. of course, that week that were not here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't have any pony shows lined up yet. What was the pony show we talked about where like there has to be oh front bottoms? They have yeah. to do a pony show. I saw Brian Sellers doing a solo tour. I did um, see that. It's just like a few dates in like, I feel like it was like Nashville and like, I don't know where else. I, just like a few Southern dates. But that's cool. Like I would, I would totally see him with an acoustic guitar. Maybe he'd bust out like some really old songs. Play the pony. Yeah. I hope so. I hope they announce something for Jersey, but. um, They, they won't ignore New Jersey. I'm kind of not against driving a little bit. If if this is all there is, it won't be. There's no way. I don't know. I don't know. I also might, only... drive, well... I might drive for Silverstein too. To East Stroudsburg, which is like an I... hour twenty, maybe. I think they're gonna come around in the fall again. Yeah, I mean they have to come home, <laughs> so just play a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although is the front bottom Jersey show technically adjacent? adjacent? Yeah. That's why um that should not we, count. Um, that should not count. <laughs> yeah. Can they even fit all of Talon of the Hawk into a festival set? I think so, because they're later on in the night. Oh, uh, yeah. So I guess if they're getting like I mean, even if they get 40 minutes, they could do the album. They're like second tier. That's I want like go 15 to... songs in. As much as I say I don't want to. I don't need to go to that festival because those bands come around. I would love to go to that festival. It is a really good festival. Yeah. It's just like, it's like 600 bucks. <laughs> it's so much fun. And we already <laughs> had a festival on the books. Yeah. But, oh, well, whatever. we'll see. <laughs> you never know. Press passes. Someone. <laughs> Give us press passes. <laughs> is Four Year Strong at adjacent? Uh, I'm not sure. It seems like they would fit. I also uh I wanted to ask him about when we were young festival because I think I think they were on that too. I just you like missed your... a couple of questions with him, but I still think you're gonna enjoy the interview with Alan coming up very shortly. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We were going back and forth with uh, their publicist for a little bit, so this was uh, long anticipated for for Brett and I. So we're excited to bring it to you guys. I think it came out. We were good. trying to get him before uh, Enemy of the World, the 10-year tour. 
but then they went on tour and it was hard to get him. But yeah, now he's renovating, so you were able to get him. Yeah, then he's off to Europe in like two months with the Offspring. That's uh, a does, cool show. Doesn't look like they're on a Jason Fest. God, this lineup is so good. <laughs> I know. Oh, Drug Church is on it. Damn. I still have to listen to that new album that came out last year from them. I, I just I had Cheer on my monthly list, and like I just keep going back to that. I haven't even listened to them more yet. I will because I really Cheer like is album. phenomenal. It's an album I want to be able to sing along to, so I'm just drilling it in. It's like them and Microwave have been like my go-to listening habits lately. Other than our monthly challenge, which we can end with. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that after the interview. Um, yeah, I think we could probably send it over to our interview with with Alan Day, and uh, we'll see everyone on the other side. Talk a little of our monthly album habits, but yeah, we're excited to bring you this interview. It was a lot of fun. It doesn't suck to be. I thought you were going to finish it for me. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were building anticipation. <laughs> to be four years strong right now. <laughs> there we go. Or I was going to say, it doesn't suck to be general admission right now. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, yeah. All right. Let's send it over to Alan and uh, we'll see everyone on the other side. Okay. We now welcome on a very, very special guest. He is guitarist and vocalist for pop punk legends four years strong he is alan day he also writes produces and scores films alan we're so glad you could make it and that tonight is good for you and you don't have better things to do thank you so much for coming on i actually have a lot of things going on tonight and i totally forgot about this <laughs> luckily i had a alarm on my phone we appreciate uh, the alarm well, we're glad you're here <laughs> Yeah, That's me right. too. Me too. I'm glad I didn't miss it. Um, yeah, so yeah. what's been going on for you? Like, I know you guys, you re-recorded Enemy of the World, and then you wrapped up a tour. So have you been, like, keeping busy, or are you just enjoying some time off? I don't know how to enjoy time off. <laughs> I, only, I only keep busy. Um, right now, I have this little hole between touring and before I start a bunch of sessions in the studio where I'm renovating my mix room. Oh, and that's what I was just doing right now. Sorry. Sorry. I got up. I noticed I have pencil in my (laughs) contractor. Um, Yeah, not, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was a contractor. I'd probably be able to get it done a lot quicker. Um, but I've worked with carpenters and stuff a bunch over the years on and off and, I know the basics. It's just a lot of doing the wrong cut and then learning my mistake and doing the right cut. I go through more material. Yeah. What are you doing to the room? Oh, man. Everything. Uh, I had an acoustician come and design how to make the room sound really good. So I'm doing all kinds of framing and filling with insulation and fabric and diffusers and Real, real boring stuff. A cool job title, though. Never heard that before. What an acquisition? Yeah, yeah. It's. I don't think I don't even think I could say it. It's it's <laughs> true true nerd shit. Oh, I could use that. I got like a foam panel or two, and that's about it. 
Same. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is extreme, and I I am supposed to finish it by tonight. Definitely not going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even if even if I wasn't doing this, I definitely wouldn't finish. But yeah, basically, I am always busy with one thing or the other because uh, you know it's touring is usually what keeps me busy. Recording music in the studio with other artists keeps me just as busy, if not more busy. And then to cap it off, my wife and I live on a farm and we grow flowers and Christmas trees. And that's a never ending source of work as well. So <laughs> I can feel guilty for not working at any point. It's quite a way to live. It's nicely yeah. you got the the outside part to like, like the farming gets you out of the studio. Yeah, really yeah, like, it's nice. Honestly, it's get fresh air. It's ninety nine percent my wife that does it because that's what she does full time. She's a floral designer and, and flower farmer, um, so she takes care of most of it. I'm just the manual labor when something needs to get built or something. <laughs> Dragging. So Christmas did she show you the ropes on? Oh, I just <laughs> yeah. cut you off, Nick. <laughs> no, you got it, Brett. Sorry. As you say, so, like, did she show you the ropes on like how to pick out like a Christmas tree, like what what to look for, what not to look for? Oh well, I'm the Christmas tree guy. You are okay. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure. because we 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 grow <laughs> Christmas trees, and she runs the farming aspect. But we've been selling Christmas trees every Christmas for the last like probably like eight or nine years. Um, and I'm just like that weird guy in a trailer on the side of the road. Um, so I've been doing that and I'm the one that sells it. My wife, my wife sells them too, but she was more on the behind the scenes, um, stuff. You got one of those machines that you like feed the trees through and it just ties them all up. No, <laughs> not yet. I, I, I might. <laughs> end up with one thing is we just bought this farm like six years ago and christmas trees take a really long time to grow so uh, the trees we sell every year are from other farms in massachusetts that we go and with a trailer and pick them all up and ours will be cut it'll be cut your own so you can come to the farm grab a saw cut a tree but that'll probably be another two or three years before we open i am yeah will you be playing the uh somewhere from somewhere from my memory song like over the speakers when people were coming <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> so you, you guys said... actually showed me that that song had lyrics i never knew there were lyrics. i just thought it was like the home alone music i never realized there was actual like lyrics to it oh yeah there's, Until a, you're, there's, you're there's a version in i think it's home alone 2 that has the, all the like the choir singing the lyrics like, kids choir singing the lyrics i don't know how i missed that after all these years <laughs> i love both of those movies they're the greatest movies probably my top two favorite movies oh easily <laughs> well if three ever happens we put four years strong in there oh it did well, but we three did happen. happen yeah <laughs> and yeah let's let's three let's... did oh we don't that's right we don't well, talk about it happened but <laughs> in our minds there's, it didn't a... happen. <laughs> there's actually a four and i believe a five Jeez. I did see that on Disney Plus. There's like a whole like <laughs> library, and I don't know where the other two came from. Four and five. Yeah, they're just trying to catch in on the name, but without Macaulay, doesn't it, count. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So you're heading to Europe with uh, the offspring? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Doing that in May. Um, and it's should be really cool. It's almost entirely sold out already, which is crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Have you played with those guys? I'm sure like you've warped tours and things like that. Uh, the only time I think I have was on the, the last warp tour, which was like just those two bigger shows instead of the whole tour. I think it was 2019. Yeah. Um, Atlantic city. Yeah. Yeah. They played Atlantic city. So that was awesome. They sounded great. Yeah. We were at that. That was, that was fun. Anytime you see bands on the beach is, is a good thing. Yeah. It was pretty intense. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't watch any bands standing in the sand, but I can imagine that was tiring. It takes a toll. Your calves yeah. are burning by the end of it. <laughs> And your skin a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially after 30 now, just everything like starts hurting all the time. It's really yeah, fun. No I've been I've been starting every day. Well, I try to do it every day with like a 15 to 25 minute stretch routine. Yeah. And I guess I get in the habit of doing that. It's awesome. It feels so good. And I'm I'm tall. I'm like six three. Um and I am so far from being able to touch my toes. They're so far away. Yeah, and and since I started Same stretching, thing. I'm like almost there. Wow. Yeah. It seems like like it's easy to think like if I do this every day, I can eventually reach, but I just don't believe it. I've been so far away from my toes for so long. But you're giving me hope. <laughs> yeah, you it can be done. And the part of the reason I started to like really dig in is because I was telling my dad, who's, you know, 60, mid 60s, uh, like, oh, I kind of started stretching. And he's like, oh, I kind of stretched too. And we were like, he showed me how close he could get to his toes and he could get closer than me. And <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I got to do something. <laughs> so I've been stretching, trying to build that habit. Especially with touring, like the last thing you need is to like pull a muscle and then that's, that's gotta, that would be rough. Yeah. We just played four shows down in Florida or was it four shows? Three shows. Um, in, uh, with rise against and Love that. like, it was just a quick fly down to Florida, play a few shows, fly back. And that was my first stretch of shows. No pun intended once I started my stretch routine and it was amazing because usually the first show of a tour, I like can barely move my neck after <laughs> I wake up the next day. Uh, and I stretched right. I think before and after the first show it was great. I kind Didn't of feel like I kind of started the stretch thing because uh, the last tour we did in the fall uh the enemy of the world tour microwave uh was on the tour That's and so good. <laughs> the singer nate was stretching every day and i was like talking to him a lot about it he was talking about how much it's helped him and stuff like that so i was like fuck it let's do it yeah you gotta like i i like to snowboard and it's getting like if i want to keep snowboarding twice a winter i gotta stretch probably all year round because it's oh, just yeah. getting At harder least. and harder yeah, got to build good habits. 
I just right. I just started reading a book about it because I have the worst habits in the world. Yeah, it's like discipline versus motivation. Yeah, <laughs> that the atomic habits. Yep, my wife read that book. Yeah, apparently Love it's pretty it. popular. It's no, it's no, it's no secret, but it's really cool because it's just. I think the thing that I only read like one or two chapters this morning and the thing that stuck out the most was that like goal oriented thinking, which is what I definitely do is temporary habit forming is, is like long-term success because when you're goal oriented and everything you do is towards a goal and you don't achieve that goal, you give up which is yeah. what I do all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm always starting things and then <laughs> it's fun to start things. And then after like a month or two, you're like, Oh wait, <laughs> this is really hard. Yeah. You can see I uh, started renovating my house and now I have no ceiling. <laughs> well, it's uh, a great time of year to not have a ceiling. <laughs> in <know>. Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my wife and I, we always have, I call it the 95% club. Everything we do, we do to 95% because the funnest part of it is over. And it's like, oh, it kind of feels like <laughs> we did that thing. But then there's that 5% left to like officially call it done. And it's impossible. Yeah. Tell that to the baseboard on my porch. That's still not there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the room's painted. I painted the room. <laughs> so with, with uh, like, you were talking about like discipline and motivation and building good habits. Like I was just trying to relate that to guitar. Cause that's something that like, I've always played guitar, but I kind of like, I know like the blink albums I like to play and like, I have my songs and I never like really progressed past them. I just have fun playing the songs. I know Were you kind of, were you ever, were you always trying to get better or how did you like kind of get into guitar like that? Um, I mean, that's great. Yeah, I for how long I've been playing the guitar, I should be so much better than I am. Um, I feel like every guitar says that. (laughs) Yeah, but I've been playing guitar since I was in like third or fourth grade or something. And I mean, I where I progressed the most was like when Four Year Strong started, and like when we started to find, you know, what our sound was and what we liked and really a a big kicker was got really into lamb of god and that's where the like riffy stuff (laughs) started to come into play i mean i guess we did riffs before that but like it was between rise die trying and enemy of the world where we me and dan got really into uh ashes of the wake by lamb of god and we learned the whole record and we would just literally play the record front to back together and just because it was so much fun. It was like the perf we realized it was like the perfect style guitar playing that we that we enjoyed, which was like just chuggy but riffy and tight and like kind of all over the neck, but not sweepy nerd stuff, <laughs> you know, just just riffs. I mean they had some of that too, but not on that record. Um, and then I kind of plateaued because I just only would pick up a guitar when I was on stage. 
and touring because we were touring so much for like a handful of years. We were touring like 10 months a year. So when I was home, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was pick up a guitar. Um, and I got really good at playing for your strong songs, but not so much else. Uh, I've never been the type to like sit down and practice. I definitely wish I was. Maybe I'll build that habit. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that's helped me, I think, progress a little bit more and step outside my comfort zone because I'm a similar way where I like have my go-to if I pick up a guitar I do a handful of things just like naturally come to me but working in the studio with other artists that are outside of my my band and what I all my go-to like guitar habits opens it up to try different things and learn other people's songs which are sometimes you know hard and um that I think has been something that's really helped progress my playing and just make it more fun. Cause as much as I like playing for strong songs, I've played them so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. You do work with like a ton of bands. I, I feel like every time I find any like, like emo or pop punk band and I go to follow them on Instagram, you're already on top of it. I always see your name there. Like, how does he know every band? It's gotta keep gotta keep my ear to the ground, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys are lucky to to tour with microwave. I got into them only like maybe six months ago or so, but I'm super big fan. Yeah, they're they're a great band. Great yeah, band, great people. That's really awesome. We didn't we we knew them a little bit before that tour. Um, only a couple of the guys because we did a very short acoustic tour in like 2017, maybe 2016. I don't remember. Um, but it was like just a few days um, and we shared a van. So we got to know... <laughs> Nate and Tito, because they were the only ones that went, the drummer and the singer, guitar player. But love all those guys. Everyone's great. That's awesome. And speaking of that tour, like obviously like that was like the 10-year anniversary of Enemy of the World. So I'm just curious, like, because well, you guys released the re-release of that record last year, or this year. No, it is 2023. Yeah, 2022, you released that. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> But uh, so I was just curious, like, what was the decision behind, like, to re-record that? Was it because it's still on Universal or? Pretty, yeah, pretty much the reason. We, we knew we wanted to do something for the 10-year anniversary. Um, like a, a deluxe issue or something like we had done with other records. But we weren't able to do anything that we wanted to do because it was under, still under the universal contract which we were no longer in and we had tried for years even to just repress the vinyl like not even you know a deluxe edition or anything like that um just trying to get vinyl so that we could like sell it on tour um and we just couldn't do it our our current label even tried to like buy the vinyl like like license the vinyl rights from them and it hit a dead end and we hit the 10 year and there was like a sunset clause 
in the contract, which said after X amount of time, which happened to be 10 years, they still own the masters to the record, but the songs can be re-recorded. So we said, fuck it. And we've also, I mean, that record, something I learned about that record when re-recording it and playing it on tour is that holds up to me for like what I think Boyer Strong what is still where like don't get me wrong rise die trying did great things for for us as a band and like really kicked everything off for us but when we did that anniversary tour it kind of felt like we were like playing old songs that we we don't have as much of a connection with anymore because they were written when we were 16 years old and also that honestly a lot of the fans didn't seem to have a connection with like there's the handful that we that have stuck around as as staples in our live set and then all the others didn't quite like land lives but when we played enemy of the world on the last tour it it really just felt right it didn't feel like we were like hamming it up with the old songs and you know it, it was fun and re-recording them was a little bit tedious uh because you know there wasn't as much creative recording is like the funnest part about being a band i think and re but recording songs to a t exactly the way they were done 12 years ago it was it was kind of like data data entry but still fun. Um, and yeah, we re-recorded it with Will Putney, who produced and mixed Brain Pain, our most recent record. Um, and that, I, like, I think doing the, the Enemy of the World tour made me realize how important and how kind of hand in hand those two records go because brain pain when we recorded that and released it by far the fa our favorite thing we've done to date um and i know every artist says that about their new music but to me it just felt like what we've been kind of shooting for every time we make music because it had all the bits and pieces that you know we've kind of created for ourselves but then like with a bunch of stuff thrown in that like we like as music fans because you know as <laughs> that sounds bad like i don't like our old stuff <laughs> or i don't like the genre that we're in that's not true but what is true is i don't really listen to it actively i listen to everything else not just everything else i listen to everything um but like getting to incorporate like rise are trying and enemy of the world were an exact snapshot of who we were as music fans and writers incorporating things we like into the music we were making and then there was a handful of years of well we built this thing and now we just got to do this thing not that we didn't like it but it didn't feel like we were putting our authentic current selves into the music as much. 
is when we did brain pain. And again, back to doing the Enemy of the World tour and re-recording it and working with Will Putney, who did brain pain on it, we realized that the records kind of work really well together and Will's production style and everything, like it just, it just worked. You definitely felt that on these new recordings. Like it was kind of like the best of what you did then combined with who you are now. And it's like the best of both worlds. It was like a really came out really great. And like, I was, I still listen to it like so much. So I was I'm glad the, you guys did that. I'm glad that's how you feel. Cause that was the, that was the intention, which is why we did it with Will. Um, Will actually uh, assistant engineered on the original enemy of the world as well. Cause he was uh, the guy who produced it. His name's machine. Uh, Will was his assistant at the time. So it was kind of a no brainer to do it with him because he was a part of the original enemy of the world. And he's also the producer of our newest album that we're all really proud of. So had to be done. I know you said like you're kind of like the most proud of like the last two records after the counting the re-release. So I'm just curious, like, so when you guys made like in some way, shape or form, like, was that, was the, like this, the label pushing you to go in that direction? Or was that like, what come up, like I'm fascinated by this time in the band's history. Yeah. Just Cause I feel like that was such like a pivot point for the band and like, it's very divisive, but it's, it's fascinating to me. Cause I still yeah. like a lot about that's that a, record, but that's a whole can of worms. Yeah. That's what everyone says now. <laughs> um no even back then i did because like i'm a big like foo fighters deftones rise against fan so like it was in that alley for me while still being four years strong so like i liked it back then even though i know like the pop punk fans might have given some pushback to put say that lightly but in completely transparent terms i believe we were all manipulated to believe it was what we wanted but it isn't really what we wanted because none of what it sounds like really was like, again, who we were at the time. It was, it was um, not, not really pointing any fingers completely, uh, but it was a combination of management label producer that we worked with that was just like we were listening to too many people and not ourselves um and people weren't necessarily wrong you know like a lot of people were chirping rise against rise against rise against into our ears um because at the time and still really they're just they if you thought about like a punk band with guitars in it you know guitars and drums they were at the top you know of relatively newish bands that aren't Foo Fighters that aren't you know Green Day Mm -hmm. you know bands that have been around forever um and yeah (laughs) we we were out on a headlining tour like 2017 or something like that i think and we were all on the bus before the show we were like you know what because we only play one song from that record that that like sometimes is in the set and it's uh um stuck in the middle 
And we don't even play it every show, but sometimes it'll be in there. And we kind of had this this conversation before the show, like, why don't we play more of those songs? Like, we should own it, you know? Like, I know it didn't go well, but, like, there's some cool songs on there. We should play some of them live. And we put it on, on the bus, and it's almost like we were hearing what everyone else heard when it came out for the first time. Cause we had, we had walked away from it for long enough. We were like, Oh yeah, this isn't very good. Like I felt like I, in that moment heard it's insincerity and it's like kind of, I don't know. It didn't feel exciting. I don't know why it's hard to, it's hard to say completely you know, if it's because I have a bad taste in my mouth from the whole experience, and it came no, out pretty, it came out pretty quick after Enemy of the World too, which was like, I, like I literally, I think, I think it's a glitch in the matrix, uh, because it is impo- It was, it is actually impossible to put out Enemy of the World in 2010. Or the world on it, like we did, multiple headlining tours, all, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Write and record the next record and put it out in 2011. Literally, I, I don't know how it's possible. I think, I think we are living in a simulation. <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only way. It's the only <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, you you were a glitch in the matrix for us because you were our last live show with Silverstein before the world fell apart in 2020. <laughs> Where was that? At a uh, Starland ballroom in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. yeah was- so it was like probably a week, I think before. It- I don't know if that was the last show for you, but it was the no. last show for us for quite we a must while. Have been, we must have been going South because the last, Oh, the they, last they, they show played was makes sense. <laughs> was uh, North Carolina, but we didn't know it was the last show because we had a day off, and then the next day was Atlanta. So we drove down to Atlanta. We we and when we were in North Carolina, we excuse me, we had uh, we were hearing that maybe the California show was going to get canceled, but you know California. Um, and so we drove down to Atlanta, spent a whole day off in Atlanta. Heard that like, holy shit, everything's shit. Cause we were hearing like all this, the like major sports leagues were shutting down for the season. And we were like, what is going on? And we didn't. So we spent all day in Atlanta, not knowing whether or not we were going to play a show tomorrow or go on the whole tour and woke up the next morning to Yep, we're going home. And Brain Pain had like just come out then too. Yeah, eight. We played eight shows. <laughs> that with because the the first day of the tour was actually the day the record came out. Um, so we got like not even two weeks into the release, and the whole whole world shut down. Not great timing. Do you feel like that record like didn't get its due? Like because of everything that happened, like you feel like it kind of gets lost in that time. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I think maybe more could have happened with the album if we were 
able to support it the way we do with a release by going out and playing the shows because honestly it was amazing like the record coming out and going right on the tour and playing the songs for whatever reason we've always been a band that people don't like our new songs or people don't care about our new songs people want to hear their favorite old song and they don't like the new songs until they're the old songs like (laughs) Wasting Times, you know, probably our, one of our biggest songs. And people didn't care about that song at first. We, we played that. It must really suck. Like, all the big songs off of Enemy of the World for, like, what felt like a long time before they were, like, the ones that people wanted to hear live. It always felt like, oh, we got to get through these new ones because, we're, you know, we got to do that. Um, and when Brain Pain came out, we had released four singles like kind of as we were rolling out the album before it came out and we played all four of those songs on the Silverstein tour and they were like the highlight of every show. And it was the first time that that ever happened. So if we could have been able to keep doing that, that would have been pretty cool. (laughs) So you feel like the fans don't really care about like go down to history or like self-titled, like they don't really get hyped for when you guys play stuff off those. Oh no, they do, but they are old songs now. I'm saying when <laughs> they were okay, new, good point. <laughs> when they were new, they didn't care. Like we all float was our top stream song, um, and it like we played it live for a long time before it became a fan favorite in the set. Um, don't know why that's always been the case. I've always held like that record up with the first with a uh, right to die trying an enemy of the world. Like, I feel like that whole album is great from front to back, and it was like your comeback from in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and um, I think that I think it that was an important pivot point in our career that we were able to. Kind of, well, I think I just broke this chair. Add it to the yeah. list of things to yeah. fix. <laughs> um, with the ceiling. <laughs> but yeah, we were able to dig out of that hole because we 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 kind of broke up um, after in some way, shape, or form. Not officially, but me and Dan had a phone call that was like, "All right, well, maybe we shouldn't fucking even be in this band anymore." Fine, okay, and hung up and didn't speak to each other for like. A year or so um but anyway when we did self-titled we had done go down in history ep was the first like all right we kind of had this like realization that we were like you know what because everyone kind of got jobs and stuff when we were at home which no one really had before because we were touring so heavily um i don't know why but we had this realization where we were like being in a band was way more fun than not being in a band. And like, we just have to find a way to like, like what we're doing because to backpedal a little bit, the, the, in some way, shape or form came out the way it did, not because it's what we wanted, but regardless of 
who like it wouldn't have been received well because the all the songs we had written basically we were at a point where we didn't really want to be the four year strong that people expected of us it's stupid we were young but honestly all the songs we had written and demoed to go into the studio were like basically like killers songs you know it was like it was not as radio rock but more like coldplay killers like indier leaning softer because that's kind of what we were all listening to at the time and and so regardless of how like we showed up the first day with all these songs and the producer we were working with said i'm not hearing it we need to start over and he had a different vision of what the band was supposed to do and we were young and put our trust in the team of people and went with it and we rewrote everything and started from scratch and um back to what i was saying when we did go down history ep we like um realized we just had to find a way to like what we were doing again in the version that people like us for um and i don't know that we fully found it on that ep it was a little bit of like doing what we thought people wanted but it worked and you know i think it can it felt authentic because i feel like there are some bands that like do that like hard turn and then try to come back to what they used to sound like and it's just not quite the same um i don't know if i can come up with an example but like there's bands that i've, I've always described as like it sounds like that band trying it sounds sounds like someone trying to cover that band and that was what we really didn't want to do. We didn't want it to sound like, you know, old guys do four years strong, you know? Uh, and when we did self-titled, it was kind of just a, a continuation of the EP. And the goal was for it to sound like it came out in between in some way, shape or form an enemy of the world. More obviously more, more leaning to enemy of the world than in some way, shape, or form. But it's got to be like tricky as a band to, like you said, like you want to maybe, I don't know, mature or try different things. And then you, on one hand, you might alienate your fans. And then on the other, if you keep doing what you're doing, people might say, oh, they just sound the same. Like it's such a fine line. I feel like I would always be worrying about that. If I was lucky enough to be in a band, I would love to have that problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not so bad. It, it, we complain <laughs> all these things we could complain about being in it, but you're right. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you guys, you mentioned like, you guys are great at doing covers. So if Four Year Strong wanted to cover Four Year Strong, I'd be down. I mean, you kind of did it with uh, um, blanking on the album name. Uh, uh, some of you will like this, some of you won't. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that I thought I was the first half of that. 
I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, Dan came up with the name for the for the album because we Hilarious were making <laughs> we were just making it and then we were realizing how far we were going into certain <laughs> things and we were like, Are people even gonna like this? <laughs> and Dan jokingly was like, We should just call it some of you will like this and some of you won't. You get ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and it and it kind of worked because all the like you know, if we like just really leaned into it, you know, there'd be comments of like hate comments of people being like, why are they doing this? They should stick to the heavy stuff, whatever. <laughs> or, you know, but because we named it that all, all the negative comments were like, huh, I normally wouldn't like this, but like kind of do, <laughs> you know, it was like, Check like it. they didn't want to be, no one, no one wanted to be the, the ones that don't like it because we were calling out the people, you know? So you recently covered uh, Brain Stew and Bittersweet Symphony. It's like, in the back of my mind, there's part of me hoping that Explains It All Part 2 will come eventually. Like, is that part of any plans? I mean, the idea has been tossed around, but not not in a serious way. If anything, it would be more random covers for fun, you know, because... Um, because we have access to recording studio. Uh, we, we, I recorded both of those um, and mixed them. And it was kind of just like fun, easy and, and, you know, kind of low pressure. So it was, I, I can't imagine we wouldn't do more of those. I got, I got to ask on spider webs on the first one, how did the idea to just, throw the this love breakdown by pantera onto the end of that happen i don't remember <laughs> how that came about but it's one of the heaviest things ever written so it had to i think we were just excited about it if you do explains it all part two you should just put a pantera breakdown on the end of every song <laughs> i would love to they're kind of getting some flack right now for being like a white power band so yeah but <laughs> i don't I, know how many people who that's surprising to like <laughs> no i guess it's it's not surprising but i don't know i'd still love to see him on that metallica tour i saw I a video of wild playing and it sounded horrible oh no oh, no all right when i don't buy tickets you were better off then <laughs> yeah I, I forget what song it was but it was like you know just some signature dime bag like muting like pattern and i don't know if zach wilde just like doesn't have like those kind of chops but like it didn't even sound like the song weird uh <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know there's so many arena tours that are so hard to even get to that whatever <laughs> if i don't make it it's okay yeah should we take it master now what a mess yeah it is a mess it should <laughs> should all be illegal everything yeah, we wanted. We were talking about the Ocean Avenue tour that Yellow Card announced, and those tickets like tripled in price just really? through just through Ticketmaster. It wasn't even resale. So I'm like, I don't want to spend 120 for that. It's just crazy <laughs> that that's legal because the band doesn't see that. I I think with dynamic, like from my understanding, and I don't know if this is fully accurate, but I thought bands had to opt in to the dynamic pricing, which is when Ticketmaster jacks it up. And I thought they would see it because it's kind of like getting ahead of the scalpers. Like the scalpers are going to make the money. We should make the money. But 
Oh, maybe that's. I'm not. I don't know. It's still um, frustrating. Maybe as a fan. our tickets just have never been um, have never been so in demand that we have that option. <laughs> but uh, you guys are uh, my favorite spot, though. Like, I don't know, like 50, 60 bucks at like the lanes or the Stone Pony or something like that. Like, just a nice, good, reliable show that I don't have to like break the bank to go to. Exactly. <laughs> Does it cost fifty or sixty dollars? Probably fees sometimes. Yeah. But what are fees? That's, That's what I want to know. <laughs> because where's that going to? Because I'll tell you, when we book a tour, we know what our ticket price is. And we almost always try to keep it below $25, depending on the package and, you know, how much uh, we need to pay other bands, yada, yada. Sometimes it'll go up a dollar or two. But I don't think we've ever had a headlining tour over $30 tickets yeah brett do you remember what you paid for the lens that was resale but it was still only like 41 uh, maybe on resale yeah okay it sold out quicker than i thought it would i waited like five days and it was already sold well, out but also why is, in jersey so why is resale tickets legal because growing up before you know StubHub and all that shit existed it was super illegal to like stand outside of a event and sell tickets. Like, like people had to do it sketchy, like whispering yeah. to people, yo, you need tickets because they get a fucking arrested. If you know, and why on such a large scale is it legal now? I don't know. It sucks like, as fans. The <laughs> amount of money that the venue or artist or whatever is missing out on by someone scalping tickets outside of a show is nothing. The amount of money that the that the artist and the fans are getting screwed out of by StubHub and by resale and people just bots just like buying tickets that are in demand and reselling them for much more and all this is just it's crazy how it's legal. What how does it work for you? Like uh would you say merch is probably the biggest income for a band? Definitely. Yeah. Um, That's usually what we what we hear. That's why I always buy shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's well it's it's yeah, it's the best. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's the it's the most reliable source of income um, because, you know, we try to keep, try to keep expenses down, but merch is like a pretty consistent expense. You know, it's not like gas prices, you know, and, and hotel prices in different cities and, you know, like so many things vary so much. Um, so merch is an easy thing to kind of count on, but again, I don't know that we've necessarily been that affected by StubHub or Ticketmaster because honestly, I don't know that our tickets have ever been so in demand that a bot is going to buy all the tickets to our show and resell them for twice as much. <laughs> um, but it's still it's still shitty for everyone else. So I should correct the record. Friend of the pod, Matt, actually had an extra ticket. And I bought it off him. I bought oh. a resale for a different show. 
not four years strong. So you bought it from your friend. <laughs> I bought it from a friend. All right. And it was like 40. See, but you're not you're not the one to blame for buying resale tickets because anyone who wants to go to a show should be able to go to a show. And especially if like like resale makes sense when it is a show sells sells it out and someone realizes they can't go. They should be able to resell the tickets. That's kind of the only version of that that like makes sense. Yeah. To me. Do you when I, you I saw I saw Nine Inch Nails recently and you had to buy tickets at the door. Damn. Not even day of show. Know. Tickets went on sale and you had to go to the venue like day of. No, I think it was even before. Like you had to pre-sale the tickets. But at the, at venue. the venue. Oh wow. Yeah. So you had to like go there and buy the tickets. Um, I wouldn't mind that. I did that for Modest Mouse once just to avoid paying fees to Ticketmaster. Like, I'll drive to Montclair and <laughs> save the 10 bucks. I probably spent it in gas, but it felt right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think at the Nine Inch Nails show, you had to, like, show ID with, like, proof of, proof of purchase so to, like, stop resale from happening. Um, Which is... I didn't, I didn't have to do... Uh, our old guitar tech is Trent Reznor's guitar tech now, so... He got me into the show, but it feels like that's like the only way to do it. But Nine Inch Nails can do it because they're one of the biggest bands in the world. If if we booked a tour and we said tickets are only available at the door, or in or if you buy them online, you have to show proof of purchase and ID at the door. People would just be like, "Yeah, fuck that, I'm not going." <laughs> I think Pearl Jam does something like that because like when they went on tour last year like there was no resale whatsoever so I'm not sure how they blocked it but they did like you couldn't buy off StubHub or well, they they had a like a they tried to sue Ticketmaster right back in the day yeah, yeah. they were, they were right all along <laughs> yeah and I, I it's funny because I feel the same way about Metallica and Napster I remember as a kid I was like what the fuck Lars we're all getting music for free shut <laughs> up you're rich. <laughs> Why do you care? But he was right. He was like, he wasn't. He wasn't doing it because of what he was missing out on. I remember he was talking about, like, this is like the end of the music industry, and he was kind of right. Yeah. Now you have Spotify paying fractions on the song play, but yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's bullshit. It's convenience is is key though. Like I'll gladly pay for Spotify. Like when the easiest way was to have like LimeWire or BearShare or whatever the number of them was. Like it's just yeah. convenience in the end. Like people just yeah. want music. But yeah, but I I, I have a theory that if for whatever reason Spotify and Apple Music and all the services, and then and then the world somehow made it illegal or impossible or whatever to stream music i have a theory that if all of a sudden that possibility went away and it was never possible again and you had to buy cds or some physical form people would still do it you'd have to people couldn't live without it like we're all streaming it and paying 15 dollars a month to have all the music at our fingertips because it's there the option is there if the only option was Oh shit! The new my new favorite band. I mean, my favorite band's new record is coming out. 
I'm gonna buy it. So would you, you carry know? would you carry a CD player or a Walkman or a or a cassette player around if you had to carry around music? Definitely. Walkman. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with the Walkman, but a cassette like it's smaller. Definitely. <laughs> well, Walkman was the cassette. Discman. Oh. Discman. That's it. Yeah. Was the CD. And once they came up with the anti-skip <laughs> thing, yeah, right. <laughs> It was a game changer. It was a game changer. <laughs> so I should apologize then for like downloading a bit torn of It's Our Time in college. Oh, God. How dare you? <laughs> you can have it. It's all yours. Will that one ever be re-recorded? Absolutely not. <laughs> we don't consider that part of Rise of Trying is our first record. Because we did, we did what I would never recommend to anyone ever again which is we started a band when we were freshmen in high school and came up with the band name and then never changed it. Even though we were basically becoming different bands, we were like finding out who we were, lineup changes and, you know, becoming different bands, but never changing the name. So things like that happen now where like we don't consider that part of the Forty Strong catalog. But it's out there with the name on it, so you can find it. Is the MySpace? Is that why it's not on streaming? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, we've never put that on streaming. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. I was that was my first time ever stepping foot in a recording studio, and we recorded the whole thing in like three days. Yeah, I'm still so a the music, Yeah, there's the something music, endearing was, to that. <laughs> all the music was recorded live, and then we just overdubbed vocals. And I remember the producer that did it and he's not wrong. Like listening back to it, he's not wrong. His exact words were, you know, you guys wouldn't be so bad if you had someone that could sing. That was, that was a big, big um, come to moment because we were like, shit, we gotta maybe try to be better. And they're like, we got two now. Yeah. We had two then, too. It just, you couldn't sing then? Like, what What was the problem? Yeah, we just, <laughs> we're just fucking learning. We were just, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> me and Dan were still both singing at the time. And we were nervous. We were in a studio for the first time. We were fucking young. It was like during school break, my senior year of high school. Uh, and it's, we sucked. We sounded bad. <laughs> so when you produce for bands now, do you ever like see yourselves in any of these bands? Or are they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I come at it from a and it, like a, it really is like exciting to me. Like working with young artists and helping them develop their sound. That's like that's my favorite thing to do. Is and it's because it puts me in the shoes of like, man, those were the best days of my life. You know, when I was like discovering who we were as a band and like, oh, this kind of works. Ooh, this kind of sounds good. And then, you know, that turning into traction and it was exciting. It was fun and it was rewarding. So like getting to be a part of that with other artists, it's like kind of living vicariously through them. Yeah, that that sounds like a blast. Like, is it 
is it um i don't know if hard is the right word but is it maybe difficult like working with these bands and sometimes they might have an idea you might have an idea like is it is it difficult to come to an agreement on sound at times or is it just you uh know, just no, bouncing ideas no because it's not my call any artists i work with they they always have final say my job as a producer as any producer should be because i've worked with some that are like this and they're my favorites and some that are not and they and they try and push something that you don't want down your throat and you get something like in some way shape or form um it's my job as a producer is for to bring the artist's vision to life in the best way possible even if it's something they didn't realize they wanted you know like and it would and you just do that by like bringing ideas to the table but if it's not sticking if the band doesn't like it then it's dead in the water so did that experience like make you want to be a producer like seeing what you guys went through i wouldn't say that's what made me want to be a producer i've kind of always wanted to be a producer that's i always kind of had this mentality of like oh someday i'll i'll do that and one day i was just like why am I waiting for someday? I should just start doing it. And I just like started reaching out to bands and like basically, honestly, looking back, basically lying to people saying I knew how to record them and make them sound good. <laughs> and I didn't, I just had to, you know, fake it till you make it. And uh, what those experiences did do is I think helped me become a good producer or what I think is a good, a, a good mentality of a producer in a sense of knowing how, knowing how to get the best out of musicians and keep things fun and inspiring and exciting. Um, Cause there's nothing worse than being in a, in what's supposed to be uh, an exciting creative environment and having it feel like frustrating or stressful or, uh, like scary you know like it should only be fun exciting and like having gone through experiences that aren't that i knew exactly what i know exactly what not to do <laughs> how was it working with knuckle puck because I, I remember seeing them they opened for modern baseball like in 2013 or some they must have had one ep out with like four songs and they were just blowing up off that ep alone I feel like their career, they hit the ground running like really fast. Yeah. I mean, they're great. Um, I just did some like writing and pre-production with them years ago now. Um, before. Um, what's the record? Uh, the Copacetic? Record? No, it was after Copacetic. It was the one with Want Me Around. On it, calendar days. Shape calendar days was the the. It was like a EP. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just. Is it shapeshifter? Maybe shape. Yeah, shapeshifter. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And we worked on stuff. One, we did one song that ended up on calendar days. We did another song, which is "Want Me Around." On that ended up on shapeshifter. Those those lo-fi for your strong songs. Did do you? Do those yourself? Do you produce those? 
the lo-fi ones yeah no, that's just the label did that for like a bunch of artists it's just random ones um the they're kind of cool yeah yeah what we did uh there we put out brain pain deluxe and it has like a bunch of remixes and acoustic tracks on there and i did all those me and dan did those that was super fun but they're not lo-fi they're kind of the opposite they're like pop songs slash they're like 90s pop meets nine inch nails What was like your favorite like '90s music? Because I know like explains it all, but I'm sure like a lot of that was some of your influences. But like, was that a music like that your band's like particularly drawn to? um yes and no i feel like everything from the 90s was good and even stuff that i didn't care for at the time now i love like like give me an in-sync song i'll fucking hell yeah That'd be a fun cover. what's that That'd be a fun cover. yeah Yeah. definitely I, I saw a drum it's hard cover to of It's Gonna Be Me. That's now I just like can't help but think that song's awesome on drums. a good one <laughs> 90s, where it's at. 90s and early 2000s. Like, love it. Everything, everything was better in the 90s. Life was better. I mean, this is great to be on Zoom or whatever, but like, I have a theory that everything was better without the existence of the internet or, or has how available it is now. Specifically, You're definitely right about that. specifically with social media. Yeah. Yeah, it's Like, made us all worse. It's getting out of hand. It's way worse for everybody. And I'm just as bad as everyone else. I'm not like on some high horse here. Like <laughs> I fucking I'm staring at my phone all the time. Part of why I need this atomic habits book to change my habits. Because no one likes to start their day doom scrolling on their phone about all the fucking garbage that's going on in the world. yeah, it's rough. Do it every day. So how'd you get into film scoring? Um, well, I don't do that much scoring. Um, it's something that I've always like wanted to dive more into. Uh, I did. I've done one short film, and I've done a lot of like commercial work. Um, I saw but that the odd men out clips on your on your page. That yeah, was pretty yeah, cool. that was a short film I did, and honestly, it was like it was super fun. But it was just it was someone that my wife worked with um, when before she started doing the farm full time. Uh, that was like part of the crew doing this, and I randomly was like, "Yo, let me score! Like, talk to who? Talk to the director. Let me score." whatever you're working on and it, they were like fuck yeah and they just kind of let me do whatever i wanted That's and the it best. was that was my honestly my first experience with it so sometimes i go back and i'm like that could wait be way better but it was super fun You got a IMDB credit out of it, so that's pretty rad. i guess i made <laughs> it <laughs> wow, this has been so fun. Like, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Before we let you go, though, like I know you said that you're finishing up the studio. Will there be a new four-year strong record coming from that studio in the near future? Hopefully. We've been doing a bunch of writing.
Um, there's no actual plan for release of anything because nothing's actually recorded or finished yet. Um, but we will be releasing new music hopefully sooner rather than later. Looking forward to that. Me too. Definitely. Have fun in Germany. Oh, I Europe. will. Yeah. I will. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Hey, this was awesome, though. Thank you so much, Alan. No problem. Yeah, thank thank you. you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. All right. We're back. Thanks again to Alan. That was awesome. So much fun. Probably one of my favorite interviews we've done. Yeah, he was he was so cool. I love talking Christmas trees with him at the beginning. It's a great little icebreaker. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> like, they gotta get one of those those things though. Do you the know rappers? what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. go on top of cars. Yeah, you like just stick it through and it like ties up the whole tray. I'm sure he'll get one when he's rolling in the Christmas tree business. <laughs> uh yeah, so I was I've been listening to them like nonstop to prep for that interview and because I like them, but same. I made like a whole yeah. like playlist of like all their albums and just hit shuffle. Nice. Just let it go today. Yeah, I was kind of going album to album. I was doing Enemy of the World a lot, obviously. But then I the went recording. No, so I, w- I was doing the first one and then earlier I did the re recorded. The screams are different because you they said that you said it's, it's a different it's guy, different member. Yeah. yeah. But also the guitars sound crisper. Like, you know, how last week we talked about the Silverstein Redux albums. I feel like the guitars kind of give me like those vibes on this where it's like they're just way crisper. They're like better musicians now in a way. Yeah. It was funny how he referred to it as like data entry, though, like <laughs> re-recording it. <laughs> I can't believe I guessed right there that they did that because they wanted to take it back like Taylor Swift has been doing. Yeah. He answered my one I was going to ask because I feel like it's too weird a loophole that they could just like re-record the exact songs. But he said after like 10 years, like they lose some sort of like rights or something. Like they still Uh, have the masters, but they could still re-record them. Yeah, like they're not gonna like copyright infringe them. They'll copyright infringe me if I try to recreate the album. <laughs> Universal will. I wish I could recreate it well enough that they'd actually do that. They'd be like, "This doesn't sound anything like it. This is so bad, it's offensive." <laughs> it's in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very so- honest answer about that, which I'm still blown away by. Yeah. Yeah, he was he didn't hold back like anything. No. And credit to them for almost calling it quits and then not because you can't let one setback make you I quit. Yeah. I can't tell if he broke news there or if like that was like a known thing that they kind of broke up after that. Everything I saw or read or heard while researching was that he was adamant that they didn't break up. So I was very surprised to hear him say to us that they, they kind of did. But that's why I was wondering if he broke news. Cause I remember when we were <laughs> prepping, you mentioned that point. 
I'll pull only that clip and just plaster <laughs> it on social. Just kidding. Just kidding. So we're recording this on February 28th, which is the final day of our album a day listens. How you feeling? Tired. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. Like it's it's a fun challenge to do. But there are days where it feels like homework. And listening to a new album shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. So I'm kind of debating if I want to still do this going forward or if I just retire it after this year. Yeah, I can. I definitely agree. I could maybe do something where you pick like 23 songs and then you get some wiggle room. Cause like I I was up in Vermont this past weekend, and I forgot my headphones, which is a horrible horrible thing to do. Like I haven't forgotten my headphones on a trip since maybe like I was like twelve. To go away without headphones was was bad. And now with these like being naked, these stupid ass iPhones, like I can't just buy a five dollar pair of headphones from a gas station because it has to have the lightning thing or whatever, whatever the it is. piece yeah i was at the we were at mount snow and i went into the ski shop i was like what's like your cheapest headphones and they're like oh these bluetooth waterproof headphones that go inside your helmet are 180 these are the cheapest I'm like well no <laughs> i don't i don't want that <laughs> no i don't want helmet headphones <laughs> yeah so i uh I failed. I failed at the album a day. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I had one, two, three, four. I had five that just didn't, that did, they didn't make it. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I had, you know, we were prepping for this interview. I missed two, three days in Vermont and I just decided I want this interview it. to go well. I'd rather just listen to a lot of four years strong. Just fair. I mean, I like I cheated along the way. Like if I knew I had a busy weekend, I would listen to like my Saturday Sunday on that Friday. Ah, uh, I considered it a few times. I I I thought you would somehow know, and I'd get like fined. I no. thought there were referees watching me. <laughs> no referees. Damn. It's like the Patriots filming practice, kind of, but not really. <laughs> so I was I was. I was in Vermont and it was just like Saturday morning, like after drinking and hanging out, you know, boys weekend. Um, I just need to get out of the house. So I'm like, I'll just go put like gas in the car and just like look around Vermont for a little bit. And my album of the day was bad brains and I put it on and it's just like raw, fast DC punk rock from like, early 90s i think maybe even late 80s like the 80s i got like two songs through it i'm like i just i can't, I can't do, do this, this right now, now. <laughs> <I really can't. laughs> uh so then i just put on four year strong which is also fast but it's just a little less raw yeah a little more put together yeah i wish i I'd, I wish i'd put on that uh um some will love it, some will hate it album. Cause that would have been a nice, like calm Saturday morning album. Yeah, it's a good weekend morning yeah. record. I'm gonna go back to that one. I never really like 
dug into that too much, but I really enjoyed it. I had a joke for that that I wanted to make to him, <laughs> but we didn't get there. About the gonna, beards? About the beards. <laughs> like, do you guys ever consider shaving your beards? It wouldn't be really funny if you did around this <laughs> this album tour. <laughs> like, who are these guys? <laughs> some of you will like to be shaved and some of you won't. So what are your, your biggest takeaways? Did you listen to any albums this month that you think you're going to stick with? So probably the ones from this weekend, actually, because every time I listen to like the Talking Heads, I'm like always happy with what I hear. And I listen to Remain in Light, and like it really hooked me. And same with like LCD Sound System, where it's like dancing music, but like kind of punk at the same time. Yeah, they're that makes very, any sense at all. A very unique band. I remember when they sold they like I don't know if it was a reunion or what, but they like sold out a bunch of days in Brooklyn. Like 17 like days few, or something. A crazy. few years ago. Yeah. And everyone was so psyched. And I just felt left out because like I never really listened to them. So I tried listening to them during that. And yeah, your description is spot on. They're very like unique sounding band. Yeah. They, they were fun though. But yeah, like then I know like we like the Stevie Nicks album. Uh, still from the first week though, like Bad Religion. I've been listening to Suffer a lot. I'll probably dive deeper into their stuff now that this month is over. By Melm was good still. Just, you listen, you listen like, to Super Chunk today? I, I, yeah, I did like that. I'm probably gonna listen to it again tomorrow because like I kind of listened to it really quick this morning because I want to get to Four Year Strong listening. Yeah. Did, yeah well, you like was... that one, right? No Pocky for yeah, TV. yeah. <laughs> Just like a fun, like good sounding nineties, like that, like like alternative rock. I don't know how to just dis- like it's still like raw enough that like it doesn't sound like corny or anything. But like I don't know, just, it was just a really good album. And what's the deal with them? Like they're just very influential. I think so. Or like I. I feel like i've heard them referenced by bands i like for like my whole life and i never really went out of my way to listen to them because that album they were they were doing it pretty pretty early on like i guess 1990 it looks like they're pumping them out for a while it looks like they did an album a year to like 2000 practically which is wild yeah yeah, I'll listen to more of them. Um, what about you? That were there any that you were gonna stick with? Um, Drug Church, Cheer is like I cannot get one. enough of that album. I've listened to it multiple times a day since then. Um, that's really, it's really my biggest one. Um, some of the the country guys like Jason Isbell and the Four Hundred Unit. That was pretty cool. And I've always kind of been like, like without sounding too much of like a hardo, but like the pop country stuff, like is I, it's so annoying. Like I really don't like it. And it kind of put me in that like, oh, F country, like it's all stupid. And like that's not really the case at all. It's a pretty horrible take. It's just like the radio country I stand by being awful. <laughs> um, but like you have these guys like Jason Isbell and uh, who's the other one I had on here? Sturgill Simpson is like so good. 
Turtles great. Yeah. And like these guys, I was reading that like they get lumped in as like Americana for some reason. And they all like apparently joke about it. Like these artists they are like, yeah, I don't know. Country something else, I guess. But they're like, I think I'm country. You got to listen to uh, Southeastern by Jason Isbell. Okay. It's more like singer songwritery. Yeah. As opposed to uh, like pop country. Yeah. Because there's plenty of moments in my days where I want singer songwriter stuff. And I think like this type of singer songwriter, like this country style is just like great stories and then just killer guitar. Like what's not to love about that? Like his song Elephant will like just like crush your soul. All right. Um, what's the album called again? Uh, Southeastern. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf was. So could be you never listened to that one before. <laughs> yeah, this one like I was listening to it and I was like feeling, like, ridiculous listening to this and knowing that I never listened to this before. Like, I mean, I knew I recognized a handful of songs off it, but I just never put it on front to back and I was missing out very much. The classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were like the biggest ones that I think I'll go back to. The others were cool. The Stooges were good. They were not what I was expecting. At least the album I listened to Funhouse. I could see myself digging into them a little more. Yeah, and then the ones I missed were I had an As I Lay Dying album, The Spill Canvas, Outcast, and David Bowie were my last four. David Bowie! <laughs> it was fun, though. It made me realize that it's very easy to listen to an album. And also, if you do it every day, it becomes very hard. But, like, giving 40 minutes to listen to a record is really not that hard to do. It's if you pick a long one, it gets a little more challenging. Yeah. It also depends how you listen to it. You know, like none of these albums, I was sitting on the couch listening to it and doing nothing else, which I think some albums deserve. But like, I don't really do that for any albums anymore. No. Same it's here. always like just the soundtrack to whatever I'm like doing in life. But there were moments where like, <clears throat> you know, I'd walk Jasper in the morning. And like that would get me through like three songs. And those three songs I'd really listen to. And then I'd put it on in the car and now I'm half paying attention to drivings and like not listening to it the same as when I was just walking. It's like you just you miss stuff. And that's why you listen to albums like a lot if you really like them, because you the best albums, you continue to find cool new stuff with every listen. Especially like if you listen at work, like you can a lot could slip through the cracks. Yeah, I did a decent amount of replaying songs and also a decent amount of, oh, there's 50 seconds left in the song and they're just going to do this riff for the rest of the song. So I'm going to hit next. <laughs> Whoops. Also a good strategy. Flag on the play. <laughs> so would you do this again or just like a one and done for you, you think? Uh, I would I would do it again. I would just like a little bit of wiggle room. Like, I think that's fair. Like even 25 songs to just have like 
three days in there where if you just feel like you can't get to it, you don't feel like, you know, it's like working out. Like if I was working out consistently and I miss a day and then you just stop going all together because of that, like, like with this, I missed a day and I felt like I failed <laughs> and like that kind of. You can always double up. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I I should have definitely doubled up, but oh well. And I feel like the whole purpose behind this kind of died though. Like it started off as like a Twitter a Twitter trend to make Twitter like a better place for people to just share their music thoughts instead of like all the dates you're all on there all the time. Yeah. But all of this got buried this year, and like it was definitely. There were definitely fewer people doing this than there were in the past. I don't know if like they're doing it on like maybe it's on Reddit now, maybe it's on Instagram. I don't know because like Twitter is like slowly dying itself, so maybe that's part of the reason why. But like <laughs> I used to have like some great conversations with people just finding like my thread, yeah. like from the hashtag, and like I had none of that this year, and that's the first time I haven't had random people uh, pop in. Yeah, it's disappointing. I I I got some of that in real life just because to no surprise i like to talk about music with people so i would tell plenty of people about this idea and then like i had friends like oh what album are you listening to today and just it was like it was nice and it was a good way to listen to some of these like classic albums that i've missed in my life but it doesn't have to be a february game to do that like you just pick an album one day and be like i'm gonna I'm going to put this on. It's true. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> it doesn't have to be daunting. A lot of times it's daunting for me. If an artist has 10 albums out and I don't know any of them, it's like, well, I'm not going to even try, but yeah, you might fall in love with one. So like, I don't know. Give like me a fish. <laughs> yeah. That was like, man, it's like I gave you a taste of crack and you were like on the streets <laughs> the day later. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> Refreshing your email inbox for summer tour dates <laughs> uh hopefully we'll know soon also what was the lamb of god record that alan mentioned i want to listen to that tomorrow yeah um i see where they got like these riffs from was the ashes of the week that sounds that sounds really good yeah it was 2004 i'm playing this tomorrow or 2004 is when this anniversary album was. So I don't know if that's when it actually came out. She was like him and Dan learned to play the whole thing. Like that's pretty awesome. I want to hear what like got them going. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thought. I was like, oh, he said he was not good at guitar at the beginning. So I mean, and by his standards, like I bet he's pretty damn good. But they just have like fun chuggy riffs. Boy, you're strong. Yeah. Yeah, I just played like the first seven seconds of Laid to Rest in my headphones and you it's gonna be it's a fun a listen. It's gonna be a really good listen after listening to Four Year Strong for two weeks because I think we're gonna see where they were coming from with a lot of this. See the influence or hear the influence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was he was great. Uh that was a lot of fun. Gotta see um, who we get next now. Yeah. And Planner Next Roadmap, too. Yeah. Yeah, if any of our listeners are passionate about a band and want to roadmap them, hit us up, because we're having a lot of fun with those, and it seems like you guys like them. They're doing pretty good listen-wise. 
So keep them coming. So I think April we will have friend of the pod Parco back to walk us through the national before they put out a new album. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be the first roadmap where I really don't know like anything about the band. So that'll be pretty fun to go in blind. I remember listening to their album Boxer and really liking it, but that was the only album I ever listened to. Are they a band where like the lead guy was in other bands? Is this like a postal service type thing? I don't think so. Oh, no, he was recently working with like Taylor Swift on those albums that came out in 2020. I want to say, huh? Well, that'll be cool. Um, do we have any new music coming out? Like, I know we're getting towards busy season. Things are yep. going to start dropping. March is like there's one day where there's like five that come out in a day. Oh, that's so awesome. Uh, let me see. It's going to be a lot of listening for us, but we're we're well oh, trained so, after February. <laughs> so this Friday, De La Soul, the rap group. Yeah. Finally, all their music is finally going up on streaming. Oh. So I'm going to be doing a little deep dive of them this weekend, probably. Because like, I really wanted to listen to their stuff for the longest time and couldn't. And one of them just passed away in the last couple of weeks, too. So oh, it's kind damn. of bittersweet that it's finally getting on streaming. Yeah. All right, that's cool. But that's good to know. But next Friday, story of the year, meet me at the altar, Manchester Orchestra, and if we want to dabble, Miley Cyrus. I'm down to dabble. Because <laughs> her last album was like Pat Benatar like. I've always, I've always liked so. Miley. I used to get into arguments with with Goldie in college because I would say Miley Cyrus is punk rock, and he would get so mad at me. <laughs> And then she dropped the punk album. I just thought she was punk rock in the sense that like she seemed to do whatever like the fuck she wants. And I thought that was cool. But I also just like pushing Goldie's buttons. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm down to listen to Miley's next album. All right, cool. So um I think that'll do it for, for this episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh we love you all. And we'll see you next week. Never bullet! The best advice I found is don't look down. 